You are listening to the I Am God's Beloved podcast, hosted by Susan Quinnell and Kim Decker. Scripture tells us that we are God's beloved children, that God sees us, that God delights in us. We long to know those who we worship alongside deeper so that we might better understand the breadth of God's love and the expansiveness of God's kingdom. Please join us as we hear the diverse and powerful personal stories of some of God's beloved children. Before we get into the interviews, Susan and I want to share a little about why we wanted to have these conversations in podcast form. For starters, I love the podcast format, and given that we aren't able to connect in person as easily these days, I saw this format as a way to connect with members of our church in a deeper way. I've always loved hearing from women at Women in Touch and at various retreats, and this seemed like another way to dig deeper and learn more from different people. Well, God was setting and stirring that desire in Kim, I was looking for a way in which the BIPOC voices in our body could be heard. I hoped to relay God's good news of love for each and every one of us as beloved children of God. Scripture communicates God's magnificent creation in each of us. God sees us. God hears us. As we know ourselves and one another more fully as children of God, and we become acquainted, develop, and share relationships with our brothers and sisters, in Christ, within Jesus' love, we have the potential to move towards unity in God's kingdom. So we reached out to folks with our vision. We asked people to pray and consider whether involvement with this project would be life-giving or would be life-draining. We want to honor people with this space, not harm them. Listeners may recall that we had the pleasure of hearing a sermon from Oshetta Moore this summer. Recently on her Instagram, she posted the following. Dear white peacemakers, this is our work together, white peacemaker, to reclaim humanity for both of us and create a counterculture that actively exposes and resists the violence of white supremacy culture. Asking us to share our traumatic race stories on panels and podcasts for articles and commentary in small groups or in coffee dates sometimes feels like you're robbing us of our liberation. Pastor Moore then offered some suggestions about how to best help our BIPOC brothers and sisters. In this instance, it was during the verdict of the trial of Derek Chauvin. And she added, please, please, please practice Christ-like love and do everything you can to protect and preserve the belovedness of your black and brown leaders. This could be one of the most profound witnesses you offer in this moment. Our intention with this podcast is indeed to protect and preserve the belovedness of our brothers and sisters. We respect and dearly love those who have declined to share and those who are not ready to do so. For those who want their voices heard, we pray that this will be a space that God can use for our collective growth and unity. And one final note, <laughs> we ask that you use discretion with younger listeners as some of the stories may be better suited for mature audiences. Without further ado. I'd like to welcome today, Joy Kanazawa. She is a woman of perseverance who has found the meaning of her name 
in service to others as a new Christian. Joy, tell me about you. I'd like to know more about your story, the story of you. Briefly, how have you become who you are today? Well, I grew up in New York City in an integrated neighborhood on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, and my life was pretty carefree. But growing up, I was never allowed to forget that I am Asian and I am not a human being because every other day someone would say something disparaging to me, often in a sing-song, rude and crude imitation of Chinese, even though I am Japanese. I was continually mocked because I looked different. We Asians are all the same. There is no differentiation between our countries of origin to non-Asians. This is the atmosphere I grew up in and why to this day, I'm extremely sensitive about my ethnicity. My parents lived in the shadow of the American internment camps during World War II when they were evacuated. Everything they had was seized. The day after Pearl Harbor, my father joined the army at the age of 36 to prove his loyalty to America. While my father was fighting the Germans in Europe, my mother and her family, as well as my father's family, were in internment camps in the desert of California. They lost everything. So growing up, education was very important because knowledge, your thinking mind, is one thing that no one can ever take from you. Was there a particular experience of your growing up, an event or a place that made you aware of the impact of race? When I went to high school, I remember being angry upon seeing how the students segregated themselves into groups by race and hardly interacted otherwise. I stayed alone and friendless because I refused to join the self-segregation. And people who were different from me either didn't acknowledge me or were indifferent to me. I remember hate-filled messages scratched into a desk between an African-American student and a Jewish student, both equally disparaging of the other's race slash religion. This went on for weeks. Finally, I wrote a message on the desk quoting George Bernard Shaw, which said, hatred is the coward's revenge for being intimidated. My words were ignored. High school seemed to be a microcosm of society at large, which is why there is so much anger and hatred and separation. People want to stay with what is familiar, with people from similar backgrounds. Students at my high school lived in ghettos of their own making. What other story would you like us to hear about your life experience in which your voice as a person of color was not heard or you specifically experienced racism? I moved to Northfield with my mother about 10 years ago. One day I was sitting in front of the Super America gas station when two boys drove up in a car and threw sodas at me in my car before giving me the finger and driving off. I assume it was because I am Asian. Another time my mother and I were walking home from my brother's house after dinner when two other boys followed us chanting white power at us over and over again. Both were frightening experiences and both filled me with a sense of helplessness, hopelessness, and humiliation. How are you doing today, Joy? How are you processing the events of the past year? 
and yesterday with some of the violence with Asian American women. How have some of these last year's events impacted you? It's a very scary time for me. Attacks in New York City against Asians are at an all-time high. Here in Northfield, I'm afraid of going out in public. I wear dark glasses to cover my eyes with the hope that no one will, real, will realize I'm Asian, a.k.a. Chinese, a.k.a. the enemy. It doesn't help that all of my adult life I have struggled with mental illness. It feels like all of my adult life I have been attacked by Satan. He wants me to kill myself. I've noticed with dismay from the news how Asians have been and are being attacked on a worldwide scale because COVID-19 originated in China. The news makes me suicidal, so I make a concerted effort not to follow it, although that is unavoidable because conflict is pervasive everywhere between ideologies, races, religions, and the country is so divided. Everyone is demanding their rights. Everyone's anger, and there is a lot of it, is either active, white supremacy, or reactive, George Floyd protests. Perhaps it's good that people are being open about their feelings, but the conflict makes me lose hope in the future because it is so uncertain and rage-filled, and my fellow Americans want me to go back where I came from, even though I'm third-generation American. I believe white people fear they're losing their position of privilege, and that is where the rage is coming from, as displayed by the capital insurrection. They feel disenfranchised and ignored, and they will not go quietly into the night. They fear the future. The ubiquitous sense of entitlement is rearing its ugly head among all Americans, with everyone clamoring to be heard and no one listening to each other. I have only one thing to say about the Atlanta killings. To me, it's a mild precursor of violence against Asians that is yet to come. The coronavirus has made Asians the world's most hated and helpless scapegoats on account of the menace of a looming China. I would rather die than face this unstoppable future. Can you elaborate how your faith in, in God has been challenged by these experiences? Well, it's hard to have faith when you don't feel safe. I live in fear because I believe that trusting in Jesus Christ doesn't necessarily make me immune to attacks based on fear and hatred. But thy will, not mine, be done. I have a feeling of hope tempered by helplessness, hopelessness, and anger. People hate me because of the way I look, or else they're totally indifferent to me. I believe indifference is the eighth cardinal sin. And I want to quote, uh, the road to Auschwitz was built by hate, but paved with indifference. And I have another quote I'd like to read. Neighbor turning against neighbor. People who have known each other for years, whose children have played together, suddenly divided by rising cycles of suspicion, hate, and violence. One of the most chilling aspects of the Holocaust and of other genocides is the recurrence of this dismal phenomenon in virtually every culture in which genocides have taken place. The road to belief has been a long and winding one for me. The faster I ran, the more he sought me without my realizing it. The more I hid, 
the more he sent me gifts in the person of believers who disguised themselves as friends. At this point, my faith is the size of a mustard seed, but I believe it can also move mountains. What verse or, or story in scripture holds meaning for you as you reflect on Christ's healing and hope in your life? I have several quotes from the Bible, mostly coming from the Old Testament, which pulled me toward a belief in Jesus Christ, because that is the only place where I find acknowledgement and hope during these difficult times. I want to be safe. I want to be acknowledged and accepted. And I want America to become unified with love and compassion. Isaiah chapter 41, verses 10 and 11. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Job chapter 23, verse 10. But he that knoweth the way that I take, when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. Then said he unto me, fear not, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. <clears throat> God loves me and has a plan for me. There, there is a purpose to my life. I just haven't found it yet. These quotes show me that trials and tribulations are universal. Every life has its challenges because this is a fallen world. But I know without a doubt that due to my suffering, I am a less superficial, kinder, and more empathetic person than I was before. I have learned thoughtfulness from the uncaring, tolerance from the intolerant, and kindness from the unkind. I should be grateful for those who have taught me to be more humane than I ever would have been without those lessons. But on this earth where Satan runs rampant, even Jesus Christ could not and would not save himself. And so I live in fear. But I also want to believe that because God loves me, he won't let me cherish. And the last quote from the Bible I would like to mention is John chapter 15, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Joy, tell me about a time in which you felt your voice has been heard. How is the situation different from 
the times and places that you have felt people feeling indifferent towards you or invisible. We are hearing you now. Yes, you are. Um, Well, I believe that under the leadership of Abe Johnson, everyone's voice is important to the church. Emmaus held a symposium on race relations, and I was able to speak up about my experiences as an Asian American. People listened. This was different because no one had ever wanted to hear me before. I got positive feedback, even though it was difficult to open up, and I'm glad I did. Doing this interview today, I feel there are more people who mean well and who want simply to listen. Emmaus is a predominantly white congregation. And because of that, I would like to know how Emmaus and the town of Northfield might improve in the ways it cares for and journeys with people of color in our congregation and in our community. Do you want us to know anything specific, like a blind spot, a practice that is hurtful, or a way that we can all move together in seeing and hearing each other? Northfield and Minnesota in general give me hope in the future because for the most part, people appear to be trying to understand and question each other as well as themselves. Minnesota is a liberal state in a sea of red states. My hope is that people in Northfield seem to be positively and responsibly proactive with regard to race relations, despite the cloud of antagonism, which is pervasive everywhere. People are frightened of losing their place in society because the future is so uncertain. This is where anger comes in. Entitlement breeds a sense of greed and blame with no way out of hatred toward the other. I believe Emmaus is already reaching out to people of color with their symposium in the sermons and the Zoom chats on the color of compromise. I just wish there was a way to reach the population at large. However, I do feel a sense of indifference toward me when I go to church. The congregants, in being happy to see and engage with their friends before and after services, tend to treat people of color and new worshipers as as if they are invisible. And I feel we are for the most part ignored. I honestly believe intentionally or not that they don't see me or refuse to accept and acknowledge me. I'm sorry that more people of color don't attend Emmaus, but I don't see what more can be done to attract them because it is as a reflection of Northfield, which is predominantly white. I was thinking that perhaps when Emmaus holds its monthly dinners once more, a buffet of ethnic food could be publicized and shared as a way to begin to getting to know and attract people of different nationalities. I'd like to quote from this book called Meeting the Shadow. Goodness will reign in the world not when it triumphs over evil, but when our love of goodness ceases to express itself in terms of the triumph over evil. Peace, if it comes, will not be made by people who have rendered themselves into saints, but by people who have humbly accepted their condition as sinners. And one last thing I'd like to say, I'm very grateful for being given this chance to speak up, knowing my voice will be heard. I want to thank Emmaus for its support now and throughout the years. 
Joy, I can't fully express how powerful and moving our, my time with you is today. And I want to thank you for your courage in letting your voice be heard and speaking up. You are a gift to us and you are God's beloved. Thanks for listening to the I Am God's Beloved podcast. Special thanks to Emmaus Church in Northfield for supporting this project. We hope you will join us again next time.